All right. Hey, Thursday's Thanksgiving. We got to give thanks, right? We got to give thanks. I, I love this holiday. Uh, food, <laughs> family, football, in that order, you can tell. Um, but really, really, I love the fact that we as a country have created and held on to a holiday where we can go shopping on Friday. And uh, no, not really, um, but where, no, seriously, where we can actually step aside from everyday life just to be grateful and to be thankful. <clears throat> We've all seen the, the, adult, the adult who spends hours and hours and hours looking for that perfect gift, stretches maybe even the budget, and only to witness the pretty sight of the child complaining as they open up the gift. Um, ungrateful, ungrateful. One of the biggest factors in ungratefulness or ingratitude is selfishness. And I'm just going to talk about selfishness just for a couple minutes and then I'm going to move on. But a psychologist conducted a study on happiness and he found that gratitude, gratitude was a major contributor to happiness and to contentment. Unfortunately, gratitude does not exist much in selfish people. <clears throat> Selfish people can often successfully bully their way to get whatever they want in the meantime or the short term, but in the long term, they end up damaging, even destroying relationships because they're selfish. It's all about them and what they want. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, it says, People will be lovers of themselves, proud, arrogant, ungrateful, heartless, unappeasable, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And not too often in Scripture does it ever say, avoid such people. Avoid ungrateful people. Jesus knows due to our selfishness that we struggle being grateful, that we struggle uh, with giving. And so Jesus reveals this principle here that applies to every one of our lives and not just for money, okay? In Luke chapter 6, verse 30, it says, Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you give, for the same measure that you give and that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now you can look at that however you want. Hey, wait a minute. I recognize the voice there. Who was that? Oh, my goodness. Thank God. How awesome is that? Some of you don't know her, but she came to our grand opening that we had in 99-degree weather and was probably one of the only ones. But my goodness, so awesome to see you. Oh, my goodness. You just made my day, girl. Anyway, let's move on with the word of God, I guess. All right. Yeah, it sure is. <clears throat> All right. So this is, is not about just about money. Therefore, I want to talk about, because the reason why I say this is because the verse just before this, he says, therefore be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you're not going to be condemned. Forgive and you're going to be forgiven. The principle applies to money, but, but you must also give forgiveness. 
You must also give mercy. You must also give understanding and give patience and give your time. Whatever you give is going to be given back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's scripture. But listen to me. It's not just about giving to get. Okay? Uh, uh, That seems, the scripture almost seems like it is a little bit selfish, right? But it's not just about that. In fact, in Luke chapter 6, verse 30 through 35, it says, Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But then look at this. He says, but love your enemies. Do good and lend. And what? Hoping, hoping, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. For the selfish and ungrateful, Jesus' message is give. 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 If you're wondering what he's saying here, he's saying give. Give. Selfishness is in direct competition with God's very purpose for your life. We read this all the time here. I don't know how many times we've read Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, but Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first of the great commandments, and the second is likened to it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you're selfish, listen to me very closely, it's impossible, it's impossible to love the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. It's impossible to accomplish, listen to me, the most, the most important command that Jesus gives us and be selfish at the same time. In John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, the message version says it like this. Six days before Passover, Jesus entered Bethany where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home, and Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those that were sitting at the table, and Mary came in with a jar of very expensive aromatic oils, anointed and massaged Jesus' feet and then wiped them with her hair. The fragrance of the oils filled the house and Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, even then getting ready to betray him, said, why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. He said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of their common funds, but also embezzled them. And Jesus said, leave her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you. You won't always have me. On one hand, we have the heart of Mary. And on the other hand, we've got the heart of Judas. Now listen close. On on one hand, we have generosity. 
And on the other hand, we have selfishness. I read somewhere where 300 pieces of silver was like the equivalent of one year's wages. Now, I don't know how much you make, 30K, 50K, 100K, 200, 300, 500K. I I don't know how much it is for you. Whatever it is, I want you to think about that number in your head right now. Whatever that number is, whatever you think it is that you, that you make in a year. Now imagine dropping that, whatever, 100K, on a bottle of perfume and then dumping it on someone's feet. Gone. 100K. Year's wages. Mary's like, I'm giving him everything. I'm all in. He's worthy of it all. What an extraordinary act. On the other hand, why did Judas care? It wasn't his money anyway. He he didn't care about the poor. He was a a thief. And he he pretends to think about others, but really he's only thinking about himself. Judas dumped Jesus as soon as he was Jesus. He felt like Jesus couldn't do anything for him. In fact, he betrayed him, as we all know, for money. A selfish person will sell out his friends. A selfish person will will always, and I want you to listen to me very closely, a selfish person will always, always, always find good reasons not to be generous. Ask yourself today, am I generous or am I selfish? Which one has the upper hand in my life today? Think about it. Who gave Judas the responsibility of the money? I mean, don't you think Jesus, he obviously knew that Judas was a thief. And yet he still gave him the job. And I want you to pay, just just a side note. Sometimes God will give you responsibility in the area of your weakness. It's a decision. And God hopes that you decide to learn from it, to grow from it. To, to, to be, move more into uh, uh, the purpose for which you were created. Selfishness plays an enormous role in our ingratitude. Moving on. When it comes to expressing um, gratitude to each other, to, to one another, it's not always so automatic, is it? When you withhold gratitude... You create this gap in the relationship, don't you? There, there's something that's missing. There, there's, there's something left unsettled. There's, there's, there's this unfinished work or business that needs to happen, isn't there? And few things hurt more than ingratitude. Pastor Devin talked to us about valuing people last week. It was an awesome message. If you haven't heard it yet, you need to go back and and, and watch that. It's incredible. But ingratitude, listen to me, ingratitude, here's what it communicates. It communicates, I didn't see you. I don't value you. I I, I don't recognize you. I, I don't recognize what you've done. I don't recognize your effort. I don't recognize your sacrifice. And guys, that's not a good feeling if you've ever been on the other end of that. And the weird thing about ingratitude is, is <laughs> it's not even a, a thing. It's more like a lack of a thing. Uh, oftentimes, ingratitude is the absence of words, isn't it? 
And if you're on the wrong end of ingratitude, it, it, it eats at you. It, it, it like, oh, it, it, it's, it's all we can see, it seems. Some of us have to be careful because we can be the, the one and done type, you know? Uh, you, did, you do it to me one time, that's it. Gratitude is so important to me. I'm telling you, it, it's so important to me. So when I see ingratitude, it like, it like punches me right in the face. I just, it just hits me like that. If we're being honest, it can be difficult with that person anyway to extend even more generosity um, with, with my time or with my resources or with, with influence or whatever. But listen to me, that's, that's not what Jesus would do, Pastor Steve. That's not good. So distract, don't, strike that one out. Take it out of the message there. But for real, it, it's a whole lot easier to extend uh, uh, generosity to a grateful person, isn't it? I think probably we've all been accused at some point in time in our life of being ungrateful, and, and we get this real defensive thing about, about it, right? And we say, um, but hey, hey, how, how in the world could you possibly know how I feel? And that, that's actually my point today. We don't know how you feel. That's the point of this message today. You, you may, listen to me very closely, you may feel grateful. You, you may be even grateful inside, which, while it may be true, is kind of meaningless, isn't it? Because, listen, listen close, unexpressed gratitude is felt by the other person as ingratitude. Parents, quick thought. You can be so busy, you can be so tied up with what you're doing, with what's happening, with making a living and all those kinds of things that you alienate yourself from your own children or, or, or from your spouse even. And we see this all throughout our culture today and we definitely see this in our preschool and the results of it from our preschool. Parents, you love your kids in your heart but you don't love your kids on your calendar And on the calendar, listen to me very closely, on the calendar, it communicates what you feel in your heart. The calendar is what keeps you connected. The same goes for gratitude, the exact same thing. It's the expression of gratitude that counts. Uh, not the emotion of it, the expression of it. It's the expression of gratitude that closes that loop with the relationship. Here's a challenge for every one of us here today. Don't let anyone out-grateful you. Be the most grateful person in your loved one's life. Be the most grateful person in your family. The most grateful person in your workplace. The most grateful person at your church. The most grateful person in your neighborhood. Because people gravitate to gratitude. Teenagers, don't tell your parents I told you this, but if you'd like to get more yeses from your mom and dad than no's, <laughs> be grateful for everything. 
And I mean grateful out loud, grateful. Most teenagers think, of course I have a room. Of course I got neat clothes. Of course I've got, you know, uh, more food than I need. Of course I have. Of course I have. Of course I have. Of course I have. There, there's, they're my parents. They're supposed to do that, aren't they? <laughs> but I'm telling you, don't be a typical teenager. Turn up the gratitude. Turn up the gratitude. For one thing, your parents deserve it, but also it will melt their hearts. Here's a lesson for all of us today. At the end of the day, everybody is a volunteer. Even parents. Everybody is a volunteer. So be ridiculously grateful. Listen, while you're ungrateful and you're hating your life, because you can't get what you want and all that kind of stuff, someone out there is praying to have a life like yours. I want to tell you a story today found in Luke, and it says, now Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. People with leprosy, guys, we don't know a lot about that today. Um, but basically, they drifted between life and death. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. They weren't dead. They weren't dead. But they couldn't really live. And like torture almost, they, they could only stand at a distance and watch everybody else live their lives. Because leprosy was considered highly contagious. And leprosy, with it, you, you don't feel pain like everybody else does. Um, and, and, and in this day, uh, physical labor was how you survived. And well, leprosy, um, with, with leprosy, the, the physical labor would cause injuries to the fingers and to the hands and to the feet and different parts of the body, but they, they couldn't even feel what was happening to them. And now, they'd have these unnoticed open wounds and their limbs and their parts of their body would, would visibly deteriorate over time. So the law required that those with leprosy to, to live away from everyone else. On the outskirts, they were outcast, basically, in a designated area. And anytime they came near uh, people or towards civilization, uh, they, they had to announce that they were coming and they would say, unclean, I'm unclean. And so lepers often created their own communities. And these, the, this community of, of, of lepers that came upon Jesus uh, were both Jews and Samaritans. Now, just a quick thought here. These two groups normally had nothing to do with each other uh, for both political and religious re- reasons. But, but when people need each other, politics and re- religion are not a big deal. Not when you need each other. I think we need each other, don't you? So Luke goes, to say, uh, goes on to say, uh, these 10 lepers, they, they stood at a distance. They, they probably had like uh, face coverings and things like that, like we see today and, and, uh, due to the COVID situation. And, and they called out in a loud voice, the, the scripture says, Jesus, master, have pity on me, on us. And somehow these lepers knew that it was Jesus. So the Bible says, when Jesus saw them, he shouted out, 
Now, I can only imagine in their minds that they're hoping that his next words weren't go, get out of here, get away, like they hear from everybody else. But it says when Jesus saw them, he shouted, go and show yourselves to the priests. You see, according to the law, anyone with any kind of skin disease after being quarantined had to go to the local priest to be given the all clear before they could go back into society, before they could live again. So I can only imagine that they must have thought, go and show the priest what? The implication here uh, by Jesus was that by the time that they would get to see the priest, that they would be getting the all clear. Jesus, knowing all things, can you imagine when all 10, <laughs> when all 10 of these known lepers show up healed at the same time? Uh, how'd this happen? And the lepers tell the priest, I, I, I don't know, we just asked the master Jesus to have pity on us, and, and he told us to come here, and so here we are. We good? We good to go? I don't know how it went. The priests, though, they had to know that something supernatural happened there. Here's another thing, and this is so important today, guys. I believe that this makes Jesus smile. Their willingness to go before anything had changed, that's some kind of faith. Jesus said, go, and, and they went, and not because it made sense to them, but because Jesus told them to go. You know what, guys? Sometimes we just need to do what Jesus tells us to do. We don't have to, we don't have to, to, to question out the wazoo what's going on. Just say, hey, if Jesus tells us to do it, that's, we do it. We do it. And Luke says, listen to it very close. As they went, as they obeyed, as they went, they were cleansed. They responded to Jesus. Listen to me very closely. They responded to Jesus before they knew the outcome. And that's what it means to walk by faith. But then the real reason that I even tell this story here today is, and I want everybody to repeat this, one of them. Everybody together. That was super weak, but you guys, got, you guys came, came, came back. One of them... When he saw that he was healed, listen to me very closely, he turned around and he came back. One of them turned around and they came back. And the scripture says when he came back, he came back praising God with a loud voice. With a loud voice. He didn't care who was around. With a loud voice, he began to praise Jesus. And then it says he literally threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. I don't know what Jesus has done for you today. I don't know. I know some of you. Oh, my goodness. 
he walks right up to Jesus and he falls at his feet. Listen, he, he wasn't, listen to me very closely, he wasn't content to just feel grateful. That wasn't, he, he demonstrated thankfulness. He, he expressed thankfulness to Jesus. I don't know if you're here today, but would you like to express some thankfulness to Jesus today? Think about it, as much as, as he was, listen to me, can you just put yourself in this guy's shoes for a second? As much as he was ready to get back to life, as excited as he must have been to see his family, to hold his children again, to, 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 to hug his spouse, to, to live among the living again. He, he had no restrictions on him anymore. He was free to live again. And as much as he wanted to get on with his new life, first, 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 he had to close the gap with some gratitude. After all, after all, Jesus had just given him everything back. So he did what we all need to do. He went back to thank the one who had given him new life. Jesus asked the question, he said, we're not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Now Jesus, Jesus really didn't expect an answer to that. That was an observation probably, right? Because something, guys, something was missing there. Like, like the other nine missed this, this opportunity. They missed this, this moment. It just, it just felt unfinished. It just it felt undone. And even as a kid, you guys know, what was the first thing out of your parents' mouth when somebody gave you something? What do you say? Thank you. They didn't even do that. So ungrateful. Their, in, listen, their entire lives renewed and changed in the blink of an eye. Uh, uh, their, their destiny totally rewritten. They could go back to work again. They, they, they could go see and feed their families. They could go play a ball with their kiddos and they could, they could be a part of their own families again. They could go worship again. But where are they? You know, listen to me. I imagine, and I mean this, that if, if someone had confronted the other nine they'd be so quick to respond, what? We're, we're not ungrateful. We're, we're so grateful. Our hearts, our hearts are, are, are filled with gratitude. I mean, the other nine had to feel thankful, don't you think? But the problem is, like us sometimes, they didn't express it. And Jesus, like us, kind of wondered, and he said, has no one returned to praise God except for this foreigner, this Samaritan? Then he turns back to the one who returned to him, and he says once again, rise and go. The gap, the gap has been filled. The relationship whole. Uh, uh, gratitude has been shown. Gratitude has been expressed. 
So I want to wrap up here today, and, and I know, um, and, and the worship team doesn't have to come yet, but I know a week ago, last Friday, was Veterans Day, and I know that we have veterans in the church. I don't know if they're all attending, but I do know one is for sure, and I would like for the veterans, if they would, if you're a veteran, if you would stand here today, and I'd like to especially give you thanks. I knew he was here. Let's give him, yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, 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 thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for your service in our military. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I would like to share this movie clip with you that expresses my thought here today. And since this is an older movie. I'm, I'm taking a chance that this is not going to be a spoiler for you. So if it is, I'm sorry. But this clip is from the movie Saving Private Ryan. The movie is about a group of men in World War II led by, cap, by a captain in the U.S. Marines. And he, it was played by Tom Hanks, and you'll see that. And their message, by the way, this is a little bit longer clip than I would normally play. It's about seven minutes. Hang tight. Uh, it's going to be okay, I promise. Um, th- their mission in this movie was to take some soldiers and find Private James Ryan in the middle of World War II. They were going to go find one guy in the middle of the war, okay, because uh, Private Ryan's brother had just been killed in the war already, and, and they wanted to find Private Ryan so that they could bring him back to his parents so that they wouldn't lose both their sons in, in the war. And so they sacrificed, this team of, of, of men sacrificed almost their entire group of men to save Private Ryan. And watch this clip. Turn down the lights, please. Tankbuster, sir, P-51s. Angels on our shoulders. What, sir? James. Earn this.
Mrs. Ryan. It's with the most profound sense of joy that I write to inform you your son, Private James Ryan, is well and at this very moment on his way home from European battlefields. Reports from the front indicate James did his duty in combat with great courage and steadfast dedication even after he was informed of the tragic loss your family has suffered in this great campaign to rid the world of tyranny and oppression. I take great pleasure in joining the Secretary of War, the men and women of the United States Army, and the citizens of a grateful nation in wishing you good health and many years of happiness with James at your side. Nothing, not even the safe return of a beloved son and compensate you or the thousands of other American families who have suffered great loss in this tragic war. But I might share with you some words which have sustained me through long dark nights of peril, loss, and heartache. And I quote, I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Abraham Lincoln, yours very sincerely and respectfully, George C. Marshall, General Chief of Staff. with you, I, I wasn't sure how I'd feel coming back here. Every day, I think about what you said to me that day on the bridge. I've tried to live my life the best I could. I hope that was enough. I hope that at least in your eyes, I've earned what all of you have done for me. James? Captain John H. Miller.
stand together. back to Luke's account of the 10 lepers. And I just want to say, let's be the one rather than the nine today. Let's be the one. Why, why, why not make it a habit of our lives to go back to the people who've allowed us to move forward. So here's a question. Who, who has helped you move forward? Have you thanked them? Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend or teacher. It's not too late. Find, I, I challenge you to find them today. So I don't care, Facebook, whatever. Find them and thank them. I think that would be cool. Are you going to be like the one who went back to thank the one who enabled him to move forward? Jesus, who was completely innocent, Paid it all for you. Completely paid your debt of sin. And has done so much more for us. But could it be you are, in fact, more like the nine than the one when it comes to Jesus? I mean, you took what was given to you when it was given to you and you got distracted and you got excited about the new life and, and, and about, about the new situation that you're in. You, you took what was given to you and, and now you're on to this new opportunity. You're on to this, this new freedom that you have, this new, this new life provided. You just went kind of like on your merry way without circling back and saying thank you. It's kind of gotten, it's, you've kind of gotten over that newness, you know? You've kind of, it's, it's like, it's, it's not new to me anymore. I mean, when somebody tells your story, will you be the story of the one or the story of the nine? Bible says that that leper praised God with a loud voice and that, that he threw himself at the feet of Jesus just to thank him. Jesus is worthy of our thanks. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of it all. 